0: Welcome to the Naked Art of Living podcast, where we explore what's on the other side of success, what it actually takes to feel good in your life while you deepen your impact in this world. I'm your guide, Anna Kolak, executive coach, experienced designer, management consultant, trained in neuropsychology, behavior change, and architecture, also a recovering superhuman. And I'll be right here with you. While we take a stroll down different paths to the next level of success and beyond. Hi, friends. So happy to be back with you today. It's been quite the past few months. Real opportunity for me to practice a lot of the things I've been learning about staying true to what's actually important about putting on my own max oxygen mask first. It's still not easy, but it's getting easier, sort of. Time full of lots of opportunities to practice accepting a period of lower capacity and remembering that a lot of important stuff happens when it's winter or during times of wintering, even if it's all under the surface. In the winter, everything looks dead. But underneath the frozen ground, the roots are getting stronger, but you can't see it. So it's been a time for me to get to practice trusting that there's going to be something productive coming soon and honoring the fact that everything and everyone needs to rest. Even I need to rest. And a time of rest is by definition, not a time of production or harvest or work. It's just not, rest is not work. Rest is rest as I'm slowly learning. So it's been a past few months. In this episode, I wanted to tell you a little bit more about what actually made it possible for me to do this podcast, to get past how stuck and vulnerable I was feeling about the whole thing, which I talked about a bit in in the last episode. I want to share with you what changed. How I was able to essentially rewire my brain to create a new experience for myself to change something I wanted to change, to change how I feel about working on the podcast and what the whole experience was like. Because even though it's something that I've really wanted to do, deeply wanted to do, there was a lot of stuckness around it. So we're going to talk about that and how you can apply this process to something you might want to change for yourself. I'll tell you more about my story. And then we'll get to listen to a coaching session in which my friend and colleague Michael helps, let's call him Logan, with feeling stuck around writing a book. So a couple months ago, I was in the thick of developing this podcast, working on the first episode, which was an episode about starting. Um, And I had been working on it or thinking about working on it or feeling guilty about not working on it for over a month. And I happened to have a call with a friend of mine named Michael. He's become a good friend. Um, he's a colleague. He's a, another a fellow coach. He is also a professional classical musician who plays in a large metropolitan orchestra. So he's pretty familiar with the creative process, with the creative mind and the act of performing of putting something out into the world, of putting yourself out into the world. So we were having, you know, we were just having a chat, talking about what we've been up to, some of the things that we're, you know, interested in working on. And he mentioned a training that he had been doing, which sounded really interesting. Um, He was learning many different ways to help support people in, I mean, essentially in changing something that they want to change whether that's feeling different about something or doing something differently or stopping doing something. And he was telling me about the process, telling me about what he was learning. I was asking him a lot of questions. It's really fascinating. He sort of described it as a, I think he called it a cut and paste process, like cutting out how you don't want to feel or cutting out the experience that you don't want and then pasting in the experience that you do want. Which sounded awesome. Yeah. I remember, I think when he first mentioned that, I was like, Oh yeah. You know, I've often wished, you know, that we could cut and paste in life, control X, control V. And so as he was explaining it to me and I was asking questions, I was thinking about what I had been experiencing with my podcast, which I I had already told him about in that conversation, like how I still really wanted to do it, but I was feeling very stuck and it was feeling very, um, gosh, it's hard. It's hard even to remember. Those feelings I mean, I remember it felt really bad. I felt really, so sort of like emotionally overwhelmed that I didn't even really know how to describe what was going on, which is not typical for me. I'm usually able to figure out what's going on, but it was so much sort of emotionally, I guess that i I didn't even really know how to describe it, other than I was working on this episode, and it like it was maybe a month and a half quote unquote working on it, and it still wasn't done. And so as he's explaining this technique that he's learning, I was like bringing in my experience with the podcast and saying, oh, well, so if I were to do what you're describing with how I'm feeling about the podcast, would it look like this? Is this what I would do? And, you know, he was sort of, you know, saying, well, yes, or you could try this or you could try that. And we we're sort of talking around it. At one point, he very kindly asked if I wanted to, him to actually guide me through it. And so he did, you know, a little bit. Um, I, you know, I was having, I think, resistance around the podcast and it's not always easy for me to accept help. So, you know, I kind of let him help me for five or so minutes, mostly under the guise of wanting to learn, you know, more about this process that was, that sounded really fascinating and effective. And so that was that. And we said goodbye and went about life. And um I don't remember if it was that later that day or the day after, but I realized that I felt completely different about the process of working on my podcast, um, about the whole thing. I was trying to access, trying to remember, like, what was it that I was feeling so bad about before? And just like now, I couldn't even really remember it, you know, and I suddenly had all this sort of energy and motivation and desire to finish the first episode. And I was happy to do it. Like it didn't feel like, oh, it's something I've got to make time for. But, you know, I didn't get enough sleep last night. So, you know, tomorrow, tomorrow will be the day because I've got to really, you know, be on it. No, I just did it. I just put the kids to bed, went downstairs to my little basement, makeshift podcast studio type room. And if you could call it that and just finished it. Um, I think it took a day or two, you know, a few hours finished it. I had been feeling like I was working on that was difficult slogging through pushing trying to force myself trying all these different techniques and it just sort of happened and it was fun and it was done and I realized that even though Michael hadn't formally taken me through this process I wasn't expecting it to work. I wasn't thinking that we were doing it. But as he was explaining it to me, I was sort of imagining, okay, well, if I were to do what he was explaining, but with my podcast, this is how I would imagine it. So, I mean, that's how I learn. I sort of imagine or visualize in some sort of way what I'm trying to learn. And that's sort of how it sticks in my mind. And it worked. So, it was an incredible enough experience, surprising and really effective experience that I want to share it with you today. And um, serendipitously and bravely, my friend and colleague, let's call him Logan, agreed to try this cut and paste, rewiring your brain thing that Michael guided me through, sort of guided me through, uh, that we just sort of talked about informally. And Logan agreed to try this to see if it would help him with some roadblocks he was experiencing in the process of writing his book. And Michael happily agreed to guide him through it. So let's have a listen to Logan's session with Michael. And afterwards, we'll take a peek behind the curtain and also talk about how you can apply the same process to your own life.
1: Tell me what you would like to change. What's, What's going on for you?
2: Well, generally everything's good so i would say that first and foremost not like anything's fundamentally wrong um my life is good my work is very enjoyable very feeling of worthwhile it's what i feel like my work is worthwhile but one thing i've been struggling to do is to write a book and so i've written over the years blog posts and articles written for myself and for others but Yeah, for some reason, this has just felt like a bit of a block. So I've written bits and pieces, but I've built it up into something bigger than it needs to be, it feels. and Which is strange for me, because it's something I help other people do, help them navigate challenging projects and businesses. I've launched businesses and projects before that were difficult, but this just feels like it's harder than I anticipated it to be.
1: Yeah, what's the general emotion that you feel about this it's not about emotion but it, it feels like
2: a it feels weighty i think i put i put a lot of expectation on myself for it to be worthwhile um something that i'd like like to leave behind so it, it, the expectation on myself is quite high for it and which means that i'm judging it as i write and so that i think that becomes more of a challenge for me because you yeah, know a lot of people have said to me just write and don't judge and, and worry about that after but because I'm used, used to writing a lot of short form content and releasing it and getting a quick, quicker feedback loop um, and not having that feels, feels like I'm starting to second guess myself more.
1: Let's bring it back to like, can you identify the last time that you, you were feeling this weightiness about the book, about writing the book? Like I understand that it's sort of a general thing that you described, but now I think it'd be useful to try to pinpoint a specific moment. Can you tell me, One example of, like, a particular day, where are you? What's the thing that tells you to start feeling this?
2: Well, I put together an outline, which is not something I would typically do. I'm not normally a planner, tend to shoot from the hip quite a bit. But there's... I think I've needed to see the overall picture to then know, is this smaller thing I'm trying to do, i.e. writing a small chapter or... (laughs) A small bit of content is that helping towards a bigger picture. So when I've sat down with a expectation of, I'm going to write this bit for this chapter today, I start to then go, Do I really have the energy to write this now?
1: Okay. So let's back it up and, and really get precise. So you're feeling fine, and then you decide that you're going to sit down and, and work on an outline. And when you sit down to work on the outline or when you even think about doing the outline is that when is that would you say like that's the moment that that triggers this thought about am I really gonna do this right kind of thing, this this judgment?
2: So I've actually put the outline together and it's more filling in the gaps really. Like these are the things I put down that I wanted to write, just to have some structure to work within. And then I sit down to go through it sequentially. But typically how I've written in the past would be much more, I've got an idea, I've got the energy to create it, I'll write it when I've got that kind of sweet spot. And then typically ship it quite soon after, publish it quite soon after. Whereas with this, it feels more I'm creating a bigger piece of work. So I'm writing this one component of it based on some Structure that I've put together before, so it's not something that's come that day, that moment. It's come from me in the past.
1: If that makes right. Sense. You have expectations and, and story about what you want it to be. It sounds like
2: yeah, and a structure. To, I think that's and, and that's where I start to second guess myself. Is does this work together with the other pieces? So on its own, great. I can see how this could be useful, but does it make sense as a coherent piece of work?
1: Okay. So can you tell me a specific? Moment when maybe the last time that you encountered this, like what day was it? It's probably been a good
2: sort of month or two before I really sat down to write. I remember sitting in the garden with my laptop out. I've got Scrivener up, which is the app I use. I've got lots of some spaces to fill in, some that have been written already, some that
1: haven't. When is this? Like, what day is it?
2: It would be a weekday. I won't be able to tell you exactly what day, but this would be a, a day in, say, uh, probably August or late July
1: okay so we'll say like a day late August or in July or, or, or late August okay so last August late July and you're sitting in your garden and you have your app out and, and you're, you're saying there's lots of spaces to fill in what else what, what are you seeing what are you thinking what are you hearing in that moment as if you're there right now I wouldn't say self-judgment, but a lot of um,
2: critical voices, mainly of my own doing, unless there are other people, but more just, is this good enough? Is this the right thing?
1: Okay. And if we slow it down and really back it up a little bit, like it's sort of like um, frame by frame of a video. And at the moment before the critical voices start coming in, is there a trigger? Is there... I'm trying to find a, a place where we can identify that this tells you to start feeling critical towards yourself. And so you're fine, you decide to that you want to go out and sit in the garden and, and write. And at what point does that critical voice begin with you and what happens right before the critical voice, before you start noticing it is what I'm looking for.
2: Probably it doesn't feel I'm I'm doing it because I want to do it. I'm doing it because I can see the, the value of doing it. So I'm looking into the bigger picture, but I wouldn't say there's that immediate sense of excitement or fun to actually start to write. And in the past, when I get into my groove, things start to flow, whereas this just hasn't flowed as much as I'd like it to. So there's a resistance.
1: Are you feeling that resistance even before you sit down in the garden? Yeah. Okay. So before, let's back it up a little bit then before that. Is it that you should go out and write? Is there that kind of, like, I should do this instead of I want to do this kind of thing?
2: It's a bit of both. I'm not feeling it as a, a should in terms of, oh, I, I need to write this book. It's a burden. It's something I don't want to do. It's just that specific. where for example, I've got a free day tomorrow and so in my head, I'm like, I want to I carve out time to, to get back into the habit again. But I know that if something else came in that was more exciting, more important, then I'd probably end up spending the day doing that, even though... I know deep down that the book's really important to me.
1: Yeah. Well, let's let's go into why, why it's so important to you. What, what are your reasons for wanting to do this?
2: So I really like the idea of having a physical product I can give to someone to help them. Partly, I think it's just a useful tool to be able to capture a lot of my thinking and work in a physical form. Because over the years, I've created a lot of things online, done a lot of writing online, but nothing... So sort of down on paper so to speak so that's one thing it's just whether it's someone I meet for the first time someone who discovers me or the work we do and, and being able to get access to that that's one thing um I would say there's some legacy to that too in that you know really want something that can be relevant 10 years from now or even longer so something that's not just t- timely to the world at the moment but something that's more evergreen and will hopefully still read well based on the universal truths of a i believe a lot of work we do
1: great and so let's let's let me ask you why when you think about the legacy and and having something that's relevant 10 years from now and you know to have a product that you can give to someone why are those things important to you let's drill down a little bit
2: um i like creating things so my background's in design so i like the process of creating things not just you know obviously this is the writing process particularly here's a challenge but you know, I like designing experiences, I like designing products, I like designing businesses. So the process itself, I would find fun um, to actually, you know, bring that to life. So that's one thing. It feels to me also like a an entry point for people. So I've been doing this work for almost a decade. And I think part of the reason for doing it, but also the challenge around it is how to capture a lot of the thinking in, in this book. And so maybe that's part of the expectation I put myself is how to do that in a way that does it justice.
1: And so when you are really in tune with the your desire and enjoyment of creating things and bringing something to life like this, if we were to go into like what why is that meaningful for you even deeper and really just sort of drill down another level when you why is it important and meaningful for you to to create things to design things in relation to this book? who are you as fundamentally as a person when you're living this vision of yourself does that make sense
2: i feel when i'm creating I feel alive it you know taps into something deep within me if I'm not creating i am you know, feeling like there's something missing so that's I guess a fundamental need of mine is to, to create. I love the process of design. I like the feeling of make, making something beautiful that people can interact with and they can feel that love and care and attention that's been put into it, whether it's something like this or an event or a, a program.
1: And when you're when you're feeling alive, when you're creating when you're making something beautiful that people can interact with and sharing your passion. Who are you being as a person?
2: I'd like to think myself. <laughs> I'd like to think my authentic self, which yeah. So I think of this or well, anything I do is just a vehicle for yeah, sharing who I am and what I'm what I'm about.
1: And what do you think whenever the you have the let's call it the resistance. What do you think it's trying to protect you from? What, if there's a positive intention there, what would you say it is?
2: Well, one thing would be some kind of quality control to, to ensure that this ticks the boxes of the brief I've created for myself so that, you know, it is useful and beautiful and, um, creates a legacy. So, Maybe this is just making things take longer than needs, than I think it needs to for the time to be right for it to be the product I want, or maybe it's just helping me to work out what's in and what's out. So maybe that thing I'm sitting down to do that day isn't, isn't the right thing to write.
1: Okay. And so one thing that's just coming up for me right now is like two different states. One is like the like the, the sort of quality control state, and then there's the state of creation, and just what's coming up for me is are there times when like you don't need to do them at the same time like the creation can happen free of the quality control where it's sort of like free flow and when you have lots of stuff then you put on the hat of the quality control guy and sort of see how things fit together um what comes up what i'm because what i'm hearing from you is when you're sitting down to write you're kind of wearing the quality control hat and i'm just curious what's coming up for you when I say that
2: yeah it's it's a conversation I've had with someone recently actually about that but she was a writer and she said the same thing is almost well there's two things one is writing versus editing and I tend to try and do both at the same time which is a bad habit but then there's also the like you said the critical voices which tend to be more quality control voices which again if I'm trying to write freely creatively without judgment aren't helpful at that point so i think it's the point i've got to now with the project is not to second guess or judge as i'm in that creative space and just to write and don't look back at what i've written just try to get into that flow state
1: and what's preventing you from doing it i hear you expressing it intellectually
2: i mean that's, that's that's the million dollar question really i can't say i've got the answer to it i I could say I haven't got the time, which is probably nonsense, because we we can always find time for things we want to do. Or I can always find time to do things that weren't on my agenda that day that I really wanted to do. So for me, the challenge is how can I inject the excitement into it in a way that feels like this is exactly what I want to do and it flows more easily.
1: So if we are to go to a moment where you decide that you want to write, you want to sit down and write. And... Is that perhaps the trigger itself? Is just deciding that you would like to sit down and write that now you have a block of time and you want to do this, and that's when you start hearing the critical voices. Essentially,
2: because it's one of those things when you try to do something like this, you get lots of advice from people, right? People, what worked for them, what didn't, and someone knows a book agent, and she said you should get your outline together, put something in your calendar, say what you're going to write that day, and you know, give yourself that accountability and structure. Um, and I've tried that and it hasn't necessarily worked. And so we, we've got to this point. So you're, you potentially write in that almost like a blank canvas. I sit down, I'm going to write, and then I just hit the wall because either I'm not feeling the motivation to really be clear on what I'm going to write then.
1: So I think this is our, this is our, our trigger point. You're just, you, you have, you have like you said, a blank canvas and you sit and you want to write in that moment. You're feeling, it sounds like you're feeling like you want to write. I mean, it sounds like it's coming from a desire to, to do the thing. Is that correct?
2: Yeah. I'd like to think that was true.
1: I mean, as opposed to like having someone tell you, you need to do this. At,
2: yeah. You know? No, I, I haven't got any, anyway, maybe maybe that's another school of thought that I need that. <laughs> but right. um, yeah, no, this
1: is all coming from me. That's all coming from you and you want to write. You're good at this point. You're good at this point. And now let's put it in slow motion. What's the next thing that happens right before you start getting into these this resist we'll call it the resistance? And you identify a thought, an image, an idea, something that so far you're good. You have a blank canvas and you want to write. What happens next?
2: Well, the next thought would be, What what am I gonna write? And so I could pick up a subchapter from the list, the outline I've created. That could be one thing. But then the instant thing that would come to my mind is, is this the right thing to write? Or is there something more important or new that I haven't written yet that's, that I haven't even thought of writing yet?
1: So I think right there is when you are asking yourself, you're sitting down to write and you're saying, what am I going to write? Is this the right thing to write? It's like this, I, I hear indecision happening. So let me ask you, how would you like, if I had a magic wand, and I could allow you to come at that point with any emotion that you would like, any thought, any emotion, what would be your ideal? What would you like to have happen? You're sitting down to write, you have a blank canvas, and you can choose how you want to feel in that moment. What would you tell me? Excitement, that I've got something
2: to say, which for me can be interlinked in that Yeah, you know, there's, there's a
1: drive to it so let's put yourself back in your garden and you're in your you're you're sitting down to write you're you're thinking that this is the right thing to write and so right now you're telling me that if you had your choice you would feel excitement and drive that this is something that you want to say when you feel that excitement and drive what is that like in, like how do you know you're feeling that where if you were to say in your body where you feel it what would it be like? It would probably be in my belly, my sort of my
2: down, down from my chest and my gut area. Yeah, so but adrenaline feeling.
1: So if you were to describe it like a cartoon, something like a physical shape or an image of that adrenaline feeling, what would you say? Like, does it have a shape? Does it have a, a, a form, a color? The first thing that came to mind when you said that was Roadrunner. And in terms of the sensation in your body, Tell me, give me an image, give me a, a metaphor In a sense of, of what you see. Like you, you, you have in your belly and in your chest. So we know where it is. And you said, it's like adrenaline. And so to me, that implies energy and movement. And so does this energy have like a direction? Is it like a spiral up? Is it an out? Like, does it have a, a direction to this energy, for example?
2: Well, I had this image of someone at the start line,
1: but you know, I'm waiting for the gun to
2: go. Uh-huh. And, you know, I'd, I would say it was a clear direction of travel towards, you know, a clear goal or, or vision, not, not so much a spiral.
1: Okay. So, direction is it, if you were to describe it to me so that I could see it, this energy, this energy, let's ask, does it have, um, a shape? Like, is it a, a state, for example? Is it a solid, a liquid, a gas? Like, can you see it in any one of those ways?
2: I would say more like a gas, more as, more of a ball of energy.
1: And this ball of energy doesn't have a color to it.
2: A blue color came to mind when you were talking.
1: Like a light blue, dark blue? Light blue. Okay, so this light blue, ball of energy. And how is the energy traveling? Is it traveling up? Is it traveling out? Is it going in circles? I'll say it's traveling up. And when it travels up, is it like straight up? Is it, is it um, a circle? Like what kind of up is it? Yeah, I'd
2: say like a spiral up through the body.
1: And when you really focus in on this and feel it as if it's happening right now, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the highest, 1 being the lowest, what, how do you feel it in this moment? 3 or 4? So let's try to ramp it up a bit and get it, and get it going within you right now. I want you to think about times when you have felt this, what it would be, what it would be like to feel this kind of desire and energy, knowing that this is exactly what you want to do. Like bring that into you and, and really, really be with that. You feel this excitement that you have something to say it's like this blue ball of energy in your gut and in your chest, and it sort of spirals upwards. And just sort of let that, if you had a dial that you could turn up the intensity on it, and let's say right now it's at a three or a four, can you put it to a five? And just tell me what it's like as you experience moving the dial up. I'll just to a five. And what are you feeling? What are you imagining with this loop ball of energy spiraling upwards within you so the thing that came to mind well f- for me to tap into that
2: i'm trying to think of an, a time where that comes to me more so an example would be if i'm on a walk i'm listening to some music that can trigger a, either a memory or a thought to do with uh, one of our events our annual summer camp which we haven't done for two years so when i'm starting to think ahead to next year for that touch wood that happens I'll be listening to some music, I'll be on a walk, and I'll just start to get that feeling of excitement, adrenaline, and start to see you know, visuals of people, the place we do it, and you know, the the experience. And so it becomes a, a visceral thing.
1: So you're listening to music, you're on a walk, you're feeling this excitement and this and this adrenaline. And you're visualizing all the things that you're excited about. And tell me, like, if you're doing, if you're a a sports broadcaster and you're doing a play by play, just tell me what it's like. What are you observing within yourself as you, as you feel this excitement and adrenaline within you? There's
2: something childlike about it, something like sense of play, sense of wonder, awe and wonder, and the feeling of, I've got something to, like, when a kid shows off something, their favorite toy.
1: Okay. And so as you, as you have this like childlike wonder, and the spirit of play. And you, you've got your favorite toy that you want to show. Now, at what level can you feel that in this moment? I'd say it's up to a f- four or five. Yeah. And so really, if you just sort of like think about getting into that, that feeling of wonder and that you have a favorite toy you want to show, bring that state, bring that state to the moment of, 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 sitting down and wanting to write and just tell me what you notice but the the first thing that comes to mind is a,
2: a bit of a gap between the clarity i have with something like that event and the outcome of this other than
1: a book is the experience at all different from what you were experiencing before we had this discussion about that i mean is there is a kind of like two forces like against each other in conflict a little bit
2: no i wouldn't say that i would say there's there's a, a distance between the clarity of vision for the event versus this this toy i'm i'm creating for them
1: so now i'm going to ask you when you when you imagine the writing Just the concept of writing this book. You told me there's a distance, and in terms of the clarity of that versus when you were doing the things related to the camp, right? So, how do you? What do you see in your mind when you think about this, the book project? And what I'm curious is—is it first of all, I'm guessing I'm getting that it's it's a visual thing with you as opposed to an auditory thing that you have an image. Can you tell me what the image is?
2: I think that's part of the challenge for me is because in the past, if I've got a project, I've got a really clear idea of, you know, what it's going to be called, you know, because my background's in design and branding. So I instantly jump to what, you know, the fun part of creating a brand. So what, you what know, how can I create this in a way that feels engaging and connects with people and feels true to the vision. And so, yeah, I haven't got full clarity on, say, even just a, Working title. I mean, I've got lots of ideas, but nothing that has really. I've jumped on it and gone. That's it. And now, and like in the, for example, even just with our company, the Happy Startup School came from a series of conversations. And as soon as we came up with a name, I was off. Like it was just the full clarity from that moment.
1: So right now, when you imagine this book, it's. I'm guessing that it's a bit fuzzy for you, or not clear. Like the you're not even seeing a terribly clear image in your mind when you think about it, and. Is it like a still shot or like a video? Then maybe, well, at the moment, it's probably a still shot
2: when I'd, I'd like it to be a video.
1: And is it, can you tell if it's in color or black and white? It's in color. Okay. Are you in the image? No. Are you looking at a book or like, what is the thing that you're looking at?
2: Yes, yes it's, it is the book. It's not me.
1: Okay. And where in your, in your visual screen is it? Is it like directly in front of you? Is it off to one side or another? Just down, lay down on the table. Lay down on the table, so it's it's down to the side and, and, and down in your okay. Now I want you to come to thinking about the camp project that you feel engaged and excited about uh, to the, to that moment. And I wanted to ask you the same questions. What are you what are you seeing when you when you are fully in touch with that? People. Who are they? Like like campers, like uh, people that you in, involve, people who are involved with the project.
2: Yeah, exactly. People well in the past it would have just been people I don't know, whereas now there's yeah people I do know, new people, new friends, new new faces. But there's there's a yeah a feeling of camaraderie. Yeah, it's very colourful.
1: And is this a still or a vi- or a video? No, this is a video. And are you in this image? So if I'm in the image, I'm watching. <laughs> I'm part. You're of it. watching it. You're yeah. watching it, okay? And where in your visual field is it? All around.
2: So it's like 360, yeah, panorama.
1: Are there are there sounds involved? Yeah, tell me about those.
2: It's lots of talking, laughter, mm-hmm. crackle of the fire, mm-hmm. um, music in the background.
1: Maybe the sound of nature. And is that sound coming from one particular direction? Or is it like in stereo? No, yeah, all around.
2: There's different different things going on. Not all one scene.
1: Okay, good. And I wanted to ask you, when you come back to the book, is there sound involved, voices? No. Okay, so... Let's come back to this image that you have of the book. It's it's kind of fuzzy. How close is it to you by the way? Is it like directly in front of your face or off in the distance when you said it's to the side and down?
2: Yeah, just like it was set on this desk beside me now.
1: Okay. Okay. So see that off to the side and down? It's a still shot, but it's a bit fuzzy. And I want you to take this image and I want you to shoot it off into the distance, so that it's like a tiny, tiny, like over the horizon, like a speck of dust. So that it's you're just shooting it way off. You can't make anything out. It's just like this tiniest, tiniest little speck of, and, yeah, image off in the horizon. Okay. And now bring it back and slam it into your field of vision, just as you see the camp project, where it's a video, and it's. It's in color, and it's in 360, and it's just really, like, all around you. And bring with that the feelings that you that you talked to me before about childlike play and wonder, that you have a favorite toy, and bring that state into this idea of book that is now a, a video that you are fully engaged with, and it's like a 360 experience for you. And just tell me what you notice if anything might be different. Well, the first thing was someone holding the book. Who are they? Are they people who bought the book? Who are using the book? Well, there
2: was. It felt like there was a merger between the camp and the book. You know, so like the same people um, who were at the camp were around the fire reading the book or um, engaging with it, pulling out bits, highlighting.
1: And so when you're there, you're seeing the people experiencing it like a video all around you. People are holding the book, they're engaging with it, and you're merging the ideas of the camp and the book, and you're bringing with it this spirit of childlike play and wonder. And You have this favorite toy that you're so excited to share with people, and you see people really engaged with it. And it's like a video. And you're feeling connected. And maybe you're even hearing the sounds of their involvement with it and can see how they respond positively to it. Yeah. How are you feeling in this moment? What is that like? Um, proud,
2: actually. hmm
1: Yeah, proud of I've well, created. Feeling proud. Excellent. And what does feeling proud feel like in the body? If you could tell me what, what that is. Where do you feel proud? So sort of around my stomach, belly area. I'm looking belly. And let's go back. Is it a state, like a solid, a gas, a liquid?
2: It's more like a gas or liquid. Yeah, it's quite fluid.
1: It's fluid. Yeah. Does it have a color? Not one that comes to mind. Okay. And how active is it versus still? I wouldn't say it's
2: fully act, fully still or active. <laughs> yeah, it's just a, a warm feeling that's present, but not not like excitement. It's more kind of content. You know.
1: But there's warmth to it, and it's just sort of is it just sort of sitting in its place as opposed to moving around yeah i'd
2: say more so that than moving around yeah
1: so as you feel this feeling of of pride it's sort of like this warmth contentment within your belly in your chest and you're bringing you 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 have the experience the vision the video of the people engaging with your book in a positive way and it is a full color 360 experience and you have this feeling of of childlike play and wonder and where on the scale of 1 to 10 are you feeling it in this moment? I would say 6. And so now let's clear a white space. Let's go back to a blank slate. I want you to go back to the old image of book down to the side of the table. It's still, and it's not very clear. Do the same thing. Shoot it off beyond the horizon so that you can barely see it, if at all. And when you've done that, slam it back in front of you just like the image of the camp interacting with the book in a full 360 fashion with all of the feelings of of being proud and childlike play and wonder mm-hmm. and bring all of that to, to this experience and just sit with that and uh, engage with that and the feeling of fun and engagement and tell me what you notice what is that like It makes him feel more alive, so it
2: brings it to life from a static object to, it's it's a tool, really, a tool to connect to people, ultimately. Uh It's a way for for me to communicate with someone I may never meet.
1: Wonderful. A, A tool to connect with someone you may never meet. What is that? What do you feel like when you say that? It's powerful. Yeah.
2: That's that's going back to why I want to create this. That might capture it better than anything I've said so far.
1: Yeah, it's a tool to connect with someone you may never meet, and you feel the power. It feels powerful. Yeah, mixed in with a sense of pride, I assume.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would see it as a as a way a way to connect with my my deepest values and hopefully theirs too.
1: And so, imagine. Just be with that, what that feels like when you are connecting with someone that you may never meet. Your deepest values connecting with their deepest values. What is that like? Rewarding. Uh-huh. Exciting. And i will bring the sensation of connection, feeling powerful, having it feel rewarding and exciting And you're sitting in your garden about to write, coming from this state. And tell me what's different. Getting out of my own way. (laughs) And
2: really seeing it as a conversation I'm having with that person.
1: So we have found a resourceful state for you, where you're really connected with someone you may never meet. And you feel this excitement, and it feels rewarding. You said it was powerful. And... What I want to do now is we are we are taking this resourceful state and we're cutting and pasting it to what was the the trigger state and we're changing the meaning of it because of the way our minds work the way that the idea of neural plasticity is you were having a you were having like this road this neural pathway that was resulting in you feeling stuck and we put we put a roadblock up there. When I asked you to Think about how you would like to feel and imagine other things. You interrupted the old pattern, and then we started to associate a resourceful state for you. And then it's a process of taking this and literally cutting and pasting it to that trigger moment enough times that we create a new neural pathway. We create a detour around this block so you have a new experience. Does that make sense? And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to get repetitive with you because I'm literally conditioning your mind to rewire itself as we're having this conversation. And so, again, connecting in with that feeling of resourcefulness, it's rewarding, it's exciting, and that feeling of connection with someone that you may never meet where your values are meeting with their values. And you're being truly authentic to yourself. And all of the the feelings that, that, that come from that, and from that state now think of sitting in your garden about to write what do you notice more
2: excitement and motivation to connect with connect with yeah, that person those people in the past when i when i found that flow state with writing i feel that you know that this is going to help someone
1: excellent so when you're in that state that flow state and you're thinking this is going to help someone and you're feeling excited and motivated about connecting with these people be there again now think about being in your garden about to write bring it back to that place what do you notice not worrying so much about
2: does this make sense is this the right thing to write but just
1: just write just right yeah let's do it again you're coming from the thought of you're just writing you any you're not worrying about anything like does this make sense? Is it the right thing? You're just writing you're having a conversation with these with your people you're connecting with them on a deep level of values. You feel motivated and the sense of excitement now think of writing what do you notice Well, I'm thinking of it as a conversation well uh, in some
2: ways a one way conversation, but I'm talking to them and so not trying to judge too much does this make sense does this all work together but just seeing it as a seeing it as as i'm a guide and i'm trying to give them some inspiration and some stories that will guide them
1: awesome so let's get back into this state again and we're just going to keep repeating this until you're sick of it (laughs) (laughs) so we have this this spirit of like this feeling of you're talking to them, you're having a conversation with them, and you're seeing yourself as really a guide, giving them inspiration and stories. And you feel the excitement and motivation that comes with that. You're doing it in a truly authentic way where you're just helping people from your deepest self and connecting with people at that level, imagining what it's like for them to have to meet be met on that level and feeling inspired. Enjoying the story and bring it back to the thought of writing. Tell me what you notice again. Just the
2: idea of losing, trying to lose the sense of weight of a uh, structure and the, the need to plan and process. Right. And just work out what I want to say there and then, and maybe what comes next as a result of that. Okay. Just focusing on the the here and now, not not what's come before or what comes next.
1: And so as you're feeling this conversation and you're, you see yourself as a guide giving inspiration and stories, all of that weight that you had before has dropped off. And all you think about now is just what do you want to say and what comes next? And you're really present in the here and now and just thinking about what do you want to say? How do you want to connect? How do you want to, to inspire your audience? And all of those thoughts that you used to have in the past about the structure and planning and before, it's like those just don't exist right now because the state, it's not needed for what you're doing. You're coming from this motivation and excitement that's really rooted in connection at a deep level. When you really get in touch with connection, connecting with the people on the level of values inspiring them through your stories and having a conversation with them and seeing how they respond positively to you now what what do you i see you smiling so tell me what you're experiencing i was just thinking about it as rather
2: than i'm carving out this time to write i am this is my time to talk to someone so not literally but Uh i'm writing is a way to talk to them so it becomes a means to an end.
1: How do you feel when you think that, that you're just talking to somebody, having a conversation, and that writing is nothing more than a means to that end? You're really focused on the connection and the conversation. It feels
2: less weighty, mm-hmm. more
1: more effortless. Great. Right. And so from connection, feelings of connection and effortless, having, you're just talking to somebody, you're just being in the present moment, working out what you want to say in your conversation, where you tell your stories and you are acting as a guide and motivating. And one more time, bring it back to the idea of writing.
2: It just makes me think of um, just free-flowing. to just is my thoughts, my words coming, coming through me. So it's um, documenting those down rather than thinking I need to write. 2000 words, or whatever it might be.
1: Yeah. So it's free flowing. You're just documenting the thoughts that come through you as you have this conversation and as you connect with people you may never meet at a really deep level of values. And you're in the present moment. All of the other thoughts that you used to have about it having to be a certain way have dropped off because you're just documenting the words that come through you and you're connecting and having a conversation in that moment. And writing is just the way of documenting it. What's different for you about when you think about your writing? It feels like a,
2: going back to it's a conversation where I'm the only one talking, but I'm getting the energy off them, even if they're not saying anything back in return. But just like I love having conversations with people much more so than talking to a big crowd, I get energy from that. So I like intimacy in that way. And so thinking about it in this context makes me think of this is just a time for me to talk to them and thinking about it as a person, not them.
1: Right. One person that you're connecting with at a deep level. Yeah. And even though you're documenting the words and it feels you're having this connection, even though it's a bit one-sided in this moment. You're still getting the energy from that connection
2: mm.
1: and that intimacy and this deep connection of values, and that brings up feeling of excitement and motivation, as you said mm. before. And maybe you still also have the childlike wonder or play about it, like you have something you want to show them, your favorite toy. Mm. So what's changed for you in, through this conversation?
2: The word that came to mind was sacred, in terms of sacred time, because so I feel, you know, any time I spend with someone one to one, you know, having a meaningful conversation feels very sacred. It feels very rare, and well, so yeah, trying. well that's that's the word that came to mind. Actually, was seeing as a special time to to talk to them.
1: Yeah, beautiful. How do you feel about writing? excited (laughs) so now one last exercise is let's take this to a future moment Mm -hmm. maybe in a day in a week you're sitting down to write and imagine yourself feeling like this is your sacred time with your people one-on-one a rare and treasured moment to connect with somebody at a deep level inspiring them with your stories feeling energized through that connection, feeling motivated, and bringing your sense of play and wonder to it. Like, this really is your favorite toy that you can't wait to share with somebody. And all you're doing is documenting the the words that come through you. It's effortless. Because when you come from that place, it just flows. And you're just writing it all down as it happens. feels light and energizing. Yeah, I can feel the weightlifting and the voices,
2: the volume on the voices reduce somewhat. Sure. Because it doesn't matter what I think or what the other people think. It's just for it to be as if this as is if a conversation and I wouldn't, you know, judge what I'm about to say before I say it, you know, in the same yeah. way that I am judging what I'm about to write.
1: Right. It really is a conversation mm. about just being in that moment with your person, with your audience, at mm. a deep, intimate level. And it is a sacred moment of connection. Mm. And when you come from that place, any voices that might come up are just irrelevant mm. and, and, not, and not even part of the equation. Yeah. I like that smile. (laughs) It's well earned.
2: (laughs) Thank you, Michael.
1: How do you feel? I feel good. I'm
2: surprised and um, grateful. Yeah, very grateful.
0: I chatted with Logan a couple weeks after his session with Michael. He talked about how he had felt before, how he's been feeling since and how that new feeling has translated into action.
2: It felt weighty. It felt like I should be doing this. And if I didn't do it, there was a bit of guilt. And this is all my own guilt. And this is all my own ships It's not like someone else was saying, you need to do this. It's more my expectations on myself. And so the big thing I've taken from it is my relationship to it, I would say, as a project feels different. And, and I think the reason for that is how he helped me to really get in tune to who I'm doing it for ultimately. And so thinking about it is, this is a, I can't remember the exact words, but something like this is a tool that's for me to connect with someone I might never meet. And that is when I think back to how I started from it. And and when I started blogging, that was always in my mind, like, okay, even if one person reads this and they get value from it, this is worth doing not thinking, Oh, is this the right thing to write? Or does this make sense? Like I've got something to say. I think it's going to help someone even if they didn't come back to me and say that was great I know there's some value here so that's what I've been noticing how that feels okay I'm not so worried about is this the right thing it being judged so much by other people other than the person I'm talking to so as long as they like it then that's that's enough for me and so seeing it as a I can't remember describe it, something like a sacred space. It sounds very grandiose, but it felt to me like that. You know, like I really love, I'm sure you do too, you coach, you hold space for people. Like when you have that kind of real intimate focus with one person and you're in a real deep conversation, you know, that's the feeling I want to create. And so thinking about it in that way, it's like, I love those spaces. Why can't I see this as that? Rather than it's me broadcasting or it's me shouting it's actually I'm, I'm in conversation with them even if they're not talking back to me so that's that's the big thing I've noticed is I'm now looking forward to the time I can do that because it feels more of a collaborative experience even if the other person is not with me which is a weird thing to think about but that's kind of how it's reframed it for me in, in at the moment anyway
0: yeah it's, I mean it sounds like writing the book in a way for you like that that's a sacred space and then also you it sounds like you're also talking about it as like that the experience of reading the book a person's experience like if i'm reading the book i will feel like i'm in that sacred space so it's almost like a space that kind of crosses time it's not this conversation you know me to you right now in this moment but it's still a conversation sort of across across time and not just a conversation and experience
2: yeah an experience and that's why i think whenever he was getting me to visualize the book and i start to think about and I always have done, I want it to be, feel nice, to look nice, to, you know, it, it is an experience. It's not just, oh, it's just a bunch of pages or something I listen to or something that I read on Kindle, but ideally it'd be like they buy the book and the book is part of the experience. And so, yeah, seeing it as as that, yeah, ultimately creating the the space for me to be able to get into that mode of, you know, this is sacred time and so therefore rather than seeing like, oh, I need to not have distractions or like carve out a whole week. It's just like, no, I can get into that zone as long as I'm in that zone for however long I'm doing it, whether it's 10 minutes or 10 days. I did spend quite a bit of time the next day after the call and my wall is now full of, you know, ideas, some new, some old, but there was an energy there straight afterwards in terms of just a bit of an outline and structure because I did have a structure before, but that felt quite restrictive. And and in, in a way, I had to retune into what was it I want to say... And I start from that point to like, so I'm having a conversation with someone. What am I trying to say to them? Like, what's the message I want to leave them with? And, and starting off with those as almost like headlines. What are the things that they'll come away with? It just feels a bit more emergent, even if it's not, you know, it feels like, okay, what have, the, what have they got the energy? Like, if I was to look at this now, I'd probably go, which one of these do I have the energy to write? I'll go pick one and do it. Rather than there's like a, a content structure and there's like, okay, I'm just knocking things off to do this which is how it felt before much more I can see the bigger picture it's like you know you're trying to climb a mountain and you're just looking at the top of the mountain rather than just looking at the front of you so when I have time hopefully next week to sit down I'll probably just go okay start with this one thing because I've never had any problems writing small things it's just seeing how it all fits together I I was just getting too also too wedded on the idea it's a book I want to write a book. It's about the book. It's like a thing. You know, it's like, it sounds obvious, but it's like... And then, therefore, when I'm thinking the vision for it, it's a book, it's on the desk, it's a book, you know. It's like, mm, what is the book, you know? And when, so when I think about trying to help someone change something, it's it's a change I'm making in someone else's life. Then it becomes more about me to them rather than the book is the thing. The book's just a tool, vehicle. So, therefore, it becomes... And then that helped me then go, okay, so... What is it I want to tell them? I'm going to have a conversation. And what am I trying to tell them?
0: Wow. I feel really lucky and grateful to have been able to listen to that. Thank you, Logan. And thank you, Michael, for sharing that experience with us. Let's take a closer look at what Logan experienced, both in the session with Michael and then afterwards. For quite some time, I think several months or maybe close to a year, Logan was working on writing this book and making you know, some kind of progress here and there, but he was feeling blocked and having a hard time gaining traction and feeling like he was making progress. And the trigger, the thing that was causing the experience that he didn't want, was simply the thought of sitting down to write the book. That thought triggered a cascade of thoughts and feelings, which had turned into sort of a brain habit. His brain had gotten used to giving him a specific experience every time he thought about sitting down to work on the book. He had that thought I want to work on the book. It's time to sit down to work on the book. Next week, I really should work on the book. I need to work on the book. I want to work on the book. I want to sit down and work on the book. He had some version of that thought, that trigger, and then he felt weighty, stuck. He heard the voices of self doubt and criticism, they were getting louder. There was resistance. It felt like a burden. No wonder it was hard to sit down and write. It doesn't sound like fun at all. It doesn't sound like something um, a person would be drawn to do. It sounds like something a person would have to force themselves to do. And that's actually a lot of um, the techniques that, that we find when we look for help on these sorts of things, like various ways of forcing ourselves or tricking ourselves. And they often don't work. And if they do manage to work, it doesn't feel great while they're working. So the trigger, just the thought of sitting down to work on the book. Once the trigger was identified and Logan was able to really feel that feeling of stuckness and weightiness, Michael helped him put up a roadblock in that habit pathway in his brain. What I mean by that is there's a sort of this this pathway, these neural pathways in our brain. They're like roads or streets, and our brain is used to going down the ones that are there. And so that's the ones that they'll go down. So trigger, time to work on the book, and the road that his brain was used to going down was all these feelings that didn't feel good that wound up in him feeling stuck and actually being stuck on writing. So the thing to do there is, is put up a roadblock so that the brain can't go down that road anymore or that pathway. And so the way that Michael helped him do that was he had him a couple different times imagine the book disappearing off into the horizon. Um, there were a few other techniques that he used, but that's, you know, that was one of them. It sounds simple, but this simple act of imagining can actually change our brain and it can do it very quickly. So, it's sort of one thing to talk about, oh, putting up a roadblock on a road in our brain, but you can't literally do that. It turns out you can. The next step was creating a new resource, really getting into the feeling of how he wanted to feel instead. That's that's what I mean when I say new resource. It's a resourceful state, a helpful state, a better state, a good state. It's it's the ideal state. It's how we want to feel instead. And Michael used various techniques to help him do that. And he really sort of kept frothing it up so that um, Logan would physically feel those positive feelings in the moment. Imagine them in all sorts of detail. Like, what do you see? What do you hear? Is it video? Is it black and white? Is it color? What color is it? How does it feel in your body? How is it moving in your body? As many sort of details and ins as possible in order to really feel that feeling. And then the last step is taking this new resource that's been created, which is this new sort of feeling state or experience state. It's almost like a full body experience, or it is a full body experience, which you can actually feel in your body just by thinking about something and visualizing it. And so the last step is taking this new resource and inserting it into the old pattern so that the trigger now initiates this new pattern, this new way of feeling, this resourceful state. And then it's a matter of rinse and repeat, doing it over and over again. Um, imagining different versions of the trigger scenario, maybe at different points in time, different places, different contexts, different people around, you know, whatever you can think of and imagining that and then bringing to it the new resourceful state. You you start with really feeling that resourceful state and then imagining these different versions of the trigger and noticing what happens and then doing it again. It all happens in our minds, in our imagination. And why does this work? Well, it turns out our brain is amazing and complex. And in some ways, it's also kind of dumb. Our brain doesn't actually know the difference between reality and what we imagine. Our brain does not know the difference between what's real and what we're imagining in our mind. Think about how huge that is. It's the reason for so much of our pain and suffering. And it's also the way out of all that pain and suffering. It's the reason a professional musician like Michael or a professional athlete or a public speaker, a surgeon, it's the reason that one of the most important ways they practice and get better is with their imagination. It's with visualization. It's not just a cute idea. It actually works. It works because when we imagine something... In more detail, the better. As much detail as possible, like all, of all kinds, sensory detail, feeling detail, how it feels in your body. When we imagine something, our brain is creating new neural pathways and it's reinforcing those neural pathways. Like our brain is actually changing when we imagine things in the same way that it does if we were doing the thing in reality or if it was happening in reality. So if you're writing a book, and every time you're thinking about sitting down to write the book, you practice feeling stuck and weighty and bad and ugh, (laughs) which is also how I was feeling, you know, to be honest about working on the podcast. It was just ugh. (laughs) It was very visceral. So if that's what you're practicing every time you think about sitting down to write the book, your brain will keep giving you that experience every time you think about sitting down to write the book. Because it's a brain habit. And what that means is it's like physical structural pathways in your brain that are created and now being reinforced every time you imagine that. And every time that pattern sort of happens and is activated. And if you practice feeling something different or having a different experience, like feeling profound excitement, looking so forward to the conversation you will be having with other human beings as you're writing this book. And as they're reading what you've written, how amazing that would feel, how good that would feel, how profound of an experience that is, how exciting it is, how it's almost like, like, I have this new toy, I'm going to share it with everyone. If you actually practice that experience in your mind, in your imagination, it will wire your brain to that experience. And that's what it will bring you every time you think about sitting down to write the book. And if you practice that experience in a very intentional way, engaging all of your senses, your emotions, feelings in your body, your mind, you'll also be engaging your uber-powerful subconscious mind, which is the game-changer. This can work with anything that uses your brain, anything you want to change. You already do this all day long. You practice imagining all sorts of scenarios, most of which have become habituated. And if you don't like the results you're getting, you can change them. So let's go through the steps in this technique that's essentially enabling you to rewire your brain, to manage it so that it's working for you versus the other way around. I'll include these steps in the show notes so that you can go through them yourself, or you could pair up with someone and guide each other through the process. First, I'll just go through like, what are the steps? There's five key steps here, and then I'll go back into each one of them and give you a little bit more detail and some questions that you can ask yourself. Step one, identify what it is that you want to change. Step two, find the trigger. This is a really key step. It's sort of a marker that helps your brain understand what initiates the pattern you want to change. Step 3. Interrupt the old pattern. Step 4. Create a new resource, which is how you want to feel, think, behave instead. And Step 5. Create a new pattern by associating your resource with the trigger. So let's get a little bit more into the details of each step. Step 1. Identify your desired change. The goal in this step is to get clear on what you want to change at a deeper level. The key question in this step is, what do you want to change? Some examples. I want to stop feeling anxiety around public speaking. I want to make progress on writing my book and not feel so stuck. I want to stop overeating. I want to wake up when my alarm goes off. I want to quit smoking. I want to stop being so afraid of spiders. I want to stop looking at my phone every few minutes. I want to get more comfortable saying no. I don't want to be so afraid of conflict. The key in this step is to ensure that what you think you want is actually genuinely what you truly want. This process doesn't work if we're trying to force or trick ourselves into something we don't authentically want. Connect with what you truly want, not what you should be doing or not doing, not what you should want or should want to stop. If it's not what you truly want, this process won't work. Most other hacks or techniques won't work either, and if they do manage to work, you'll wind up with something you don't actually want. So please, Really connect with what's true for you and take all the time you need to do that. It's the best way to honor yourself and it's the best way to honor the people who matter to you. Step two is to find the trigger. The goal here is to identify the thing that initiates the experience you want to change. This is what triggers your brain to give you that experience that you don't want to have you'll know you found a trigger when you have a visceral or physical or emotional reaction to the thought of the trigger. So for example, I might want to change how I feel about public speaking. I don't want to feel anxious. But if I'm thinking about this, answering the question, what do you want to change? Well, I want to change how I feel about public speaking. Don't want to feel anxious. But when I say that, it's just sort of intellectual or cognitive. I'm just saying it. I'm just telling you. So that means I haven't yet found the trigger. What we're looking for here is more of a full body reaction. And so maybe, you know, I've spent some time really digging a little bit deeper into what is it about public speaking? Well, what what's really the trigger that's causing the problem? Or what's the start of the problem? Obviously, it's a problem. It's something I want to change. I'm having anxiety around public speaking. But But when is it that that anxiety sort of first starts? If I just say, yeah, it's public speaking, I'm not feeling that anxiety. I'm not connecting with it yet. So maybe going through in my mind, imagining scenarios around public speaking. And as I do some detective work, I might find that the trigger or one of the triggers is the thought of an audience, imagining the people who are listening, who are in the audience. Or, and this is actually how I used to feel about public speaking. It might even just be the words public speaking. It might just be those words that bring about a reaction. In my case, it was a really cringy, squirmy reaction, like, whoa, public speaking. Um, I can sort of muster it up a little bit now. It's not nearly as intense as it used to be. It used to be that even just those words or thinking of those words, I didn't even have to get into the details of, an audience, or oh, it's a speech. I've got to give a speech, or I've got to give a presentation. Just the thought of public speaking—if I would even hear someone say those words—I would start to have that sort of reaction, the, the sort of start of anxiety. And for me, it was my my stomach would start hurting. I would forget my words. So that's how you know you found the trigger—is when you stumble upon that sort of feeling. And we don't want to stew in that feeling. We just want to find the thing that's triggering that feeling. If you remember Michael's session with Logan, it wasn't obvious right away. Logan was talking about the book and feeling stuck about the book, but it was for quite some time, he he was talking about it more in sort of an intellectual way, what his awareness of the problem. And eventually they got to the place where he was actually sort of having that reaction, that sort of visceral kind of reaction. And that's when Michael knew that they had found the trigger and he moved on to the next step. So here are some questions that can help you, if it's not obvious right away. When was the last time you experienced that thing you want to change? What was it like? Where were you? What do you see, hear, notice as you're imagining it, and really take the time to imagine it? That last time you experienced it, what do you feel? What does it feel like having that experience that you don't want to be having? That experience that is getting in the way of what you do want. Where is that feeling in your body? What's it like in your body? If you find more than one trigger, which is entirely possible, what you'll do is you'll go through this process for one trigger at a time. So pick one to start with. You know, In the public speaking example, it might be thinking about an audience, or it could just be the words public speaking. It could be the thought of opening up a PowerPoint deck um, to put together a presentation that will eventually be presented to people. There might be multiple triggers, but pick one to start with and you'll you'll do this whole process with one trigger at a time. And once you've gotten that, you move on to step three, which is to interrupt the old pattern. And the goal here is to put up a roadblock between the trigger and what you used to do so that when the trigger happens your brain's not going down that same old path again, that same old path that used to bring that same old feeling and that same set of behaviors. So there's many ways to do this. I'll just mention two techniques here, and there'll be a URL in the show notes. So one technique is called bilateral stimulation. So what this is, is stimulating both sides of the brain And that takes up enough energy in your brain that it interrupts a pattern you were just in. Like you can use this technique anytime you want to interrupt something you don't like, a brain pattern essentially, or I mean, which can translate into a behavioral pattern. So something like a craving, a feeling like anxiety, a behavior that you don't want to be engaging in an urge. And so to do this, it's really super simple you'll need something that you can fit in your hand, like a water bottle, a small ball, or a phone. And you hold it out in front of you and pass it, back and forth from one hand to the other. And where you're passing is going to be sort of lined up with the midline of your body. So, I mean, you know, it could be your sternum, for example, or your belly button. That's where you're going to be passing the thing from one hand to the other. So, you know, you've got the water bottle, you know, in the right hand. And then what you do is you move, say, the water bottles in your right hand. You move your arm out to the right, bring it back to the left, and then pass it to the left hand and then do the same with the left hand. And back and forth, it's much simpler once you see a video. So that's I'll include a uh, YouTube video I found of someone doing this. Um, I'll include that link in the show notes. It sounds way more complicated, I think, than than it actually is. So this is something you can do. Probably in most places, it's not a private thing. Although you could do it privately, you could do it while you're sitting, you could do it while you're standing, even while you're walking around. You know, doing that for thirty seconds a minute, and that's going to interrupt the kind of the pattern or the habit that your brain was just in. Another way to put up a roadblock is with a tactile mindfulness practice. So here's one that I like. It's great because it's really you could do it anywhere and it's quick and it's easy and you don't need anything for it. So you sit comfortably or you could be standing too, I guess. Um, and maybe with your eyes closed. They don't have to be, it can help at first, keep your eyes closed. And what you're gonna do is you're just gonna very slowly rub two fingers against each other. Do it Slowly and with enough sort of attention to the detail of what you're doing that you notice in exquisite detail, the ridges of your fingertips moving against each other. The thing on your fingers that makes the fingerprints. Notice those sort of rubbing against each other as you're rubbing two fingers slowly against each other. And you can do this for a few deep breaths, a few seconds, 30 seconds. There's probably thousands of ways to do this it's just it's it's something that interrupts um that old pattern step four is creating your resource this is where it gets even more fun um and the goal in this step is to really connect with the feeling that you want to feel instead feeling it right now in this moment not just thinking it but feeling it as intensely as possible And you can take your time and do what you need to do to get into the feeling of it. And here's some questions that might help you get there. How do you want to feel instead? What's that like feeling that way? You might think of a time when you felt that way in the past. What does it feel like to feel that way when you felt that way? What do you notice? What do you feel in your body? How does someone who is feeling that way think? talk, move. How do you feel as you're feeling that? How do you think, talk, move as you're feeling that? Imagine doing those things. On a scale of one to 10, how much are you feeling this amazing feeling in this moment? And then ramp up the feeling. Continue imagining what it feels like to feel this way, moving the dial up a notch. So like, you know, say you're at a four. Okay, well, what would it take to get up to a five? Moving it up, you know, until you maybe get to a five or six, four or five, or higher if you started higher, and then move on to the next step. And, and the key here, again, like much more than the other time when you were getting into the feeling of feeling the way you don't want to feel here is like, you just get to hang out here. The longer you hang out here, the better. The longer you hang out in this good, amazing field of feeling, the better. You know, so if I think about public speaking, for example, it's like, oh, I got to give a speech. You know, maybe there's some anxiety there. Well, how do I want to feel instead? I would want to feel confident, excited, happy, connected, curious, motivated, energized, calm, maybe at the same time, right? So, so, what does it feel like to feel those things? And I probably don't associate that with public speaking, if that's a thing for me, but what are other times when I feel those feelings? So it's not about like what the thing is that brings it. This is all about just feeling those feelings. So what's it feel like to feel confident, whatever I need to imagine to get there and like really just like, you know, revving it up, frothing it up, really feeling that, Like, how confident can I get myself to feel in this moment? How excited, how curious, how connected? And once you're really feeling the good stuff, then you move on to the last step, which is step five, create a new pattern. What you're going to do here is create a new pattern by associating this new resource, this new way of feeling, the way that you want to feel. You're going to associate that with the trigger by really just feeling all those good feelings starting from that place, and then thinking of the trigger. And you're going to do this several times until it feels smooth. And you'll get to the point where it'll be hard to even remember. You'll get to this point very quickly in one sort of session of doing this with yourself. You'll get to the point where you don't even really remember how you used to feel before. Like for me with the podcast, like I really can't. It's very hard for me to remember, let alone feel in my body how I used to feel, the bad stuff that wasn't helpful. Here are some kind of questions that might help you get there. Get to this sort of engaging your, engaging your resource and pasting it in next to the trigger, associating it with the trigger. So think of your original trigger, bringing in the resource of all the good feelings you've just created for yourself, all the good feelings that you're feeling now. Feeling all those feelings thinking of that trigger, what's it like? What do you notice? Imagine everything in as much detail as possible. The more the better. And practice doing this over and over, getting deeply into the feelings and experience of your new resource. And then imagining your trigger in different scenarios, maybe in the past, in the future, in a different context. Maybe you'll remember the way that Michael did this with Logan was six, seven, eight, nine different ways of imagining bringing this new resourceful state into different associations of writing the book and the book itself. And know that every single time you do this, you're rewiring your brain. You are creating the change that you want for yourself. Literally, we think if something is like, well, it's just an idea. That idea, this imagining, this visualizing, this process is actually literally creating the change because it's rewiring your brain physically, physiologically, structurally. And remember, this is something you already do all day long. You're already good at this. You know how to do this and you know how to do it well because it's something you do all day long. And when you use it intentionally, a lot of amazing stuff can happen. I hope there was something in this episode that inspired you, helped you see greater possibility, helped you realize that you matter in your life and that you can absolutely create the kind of life you really want. If you can think of someone who might benefit from listening to this episode, please share it and the podcast with them. You can find all the episodes at thenakedartofliving.com and on your podcasting service of choice. And please subscribe to the podcast if you'd like to get notified about the next episode. If you have a few minutes to write a one or two sentence review, that would help me understand what's working and what you'd like to hear more of. And it would help others know that it's worth their time to listen. I would also love to hear from you directly. If you have any questions or thoughts or requests, you can get in touch with me via thenakedartofliving.com or at com. And if you would like to get in touch with Michael, you can find him at musiciansintransitions.com. Thank you for listening. Love always.